What's up, guys? Today we got a special episode with Wally Conway. For those of you that don't know him, he's a legend in the industry, um, has, has grown an amazing home inspection company. He's written books, he speaks, he consults. Um, just a very, one of the most wisdomatic people in the industry. So it was a delight to talk to him today. We were very lucky to have him on the pod. Um, and it's applicable to everybody what we get into. We kind of meander, but we um, had a free flowing conversation around what our industry needs and lacks and what an exit ramp looks like for all of you, for every single home inspection company. Um, there are options and there are ways to um, retire and age gracefully um, and to exit the business with something in your bank account as opposed to just closing up shop and not getting paid for all the work you've done over all the years. So um, an exciting episode, especially for those of you that are mid-career or towards the end of your career, been doing this for 5, 10, 20 years. So um, Wally's seen it all, done it all. So um, a great episode. And I'm really pumped for you guys to to get to hear from him um, on this topic because he is living it. Um, he's been through it and he's currently in the thick of having sold his business and still being a part of it um, as it as it kind of hits its next phase and, and he leaves his legacy. Um, so enjoy the episode and we'll talk to everyone soon. So thank you for joining. This is a long time coming. Um, we've known probably each other of each other for many years, but haven't actually directly interacted a ton, which is <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And then we'll have a great follow up next week in person. Yeah, yeah, that'll be I, I really look forward to this IEB conference. To me, the in interaction and engagements, not unlike anything else. So our teams have worked together over the years and talked to each other and collaborated. Um, but like I said, us not so much. So Mark would that I'm thankful for Mark to connect us and say, you know what, Wally's got a lot to talk about. He's, he's done a lot and been through a lot. So for those that don't know who you are, let's just quickly introduce him to you and give him kind of your backstory. Okay. So uh, I, uh, I started life in Camden, New Jersey. My dad was a banker. My mom was a, a mom because that's what moms did in 1955. We had black and white TV and only three channels and somehow I survived. <laughs> Played a little bit of sports going through school, through high school, and uh, read a book or two and was fortunate to end up at U.S. Naval Academy. Graduated from there in 77 and spent a career as a Navy pilot. And during my time as a Navy pilot, I got involved in real estate because living on an aircraft carrier was kind of cool until it's not. You want to live in a house. And I noticed houses were expensive and whatnot. Long story short, Kev, I, I ended up as an owner builder. So I built a few houses and I ended up as a landlord, held some mortgages. And I, I played in real estate, residential real estate, uh, for more than a decade while I was on active duty. And then when I retired in 1994, it came to my awareness. I never was on a real job, never had a real job, never wrote a resume. I knew nothing about nothing. But I knew this tiny bit about residential real estate. I thought, oh, maybe there's a place for me there. But I realized that I was terminally unemployable. No one in their right mind would hire me. I had nothing <laughs> to offer in a traditional sense. So I thought, I, I got to I gotta start a company. So I thought about being a, a builder, or a remodeler, a flipper, a mortgage guy, a real estate, and all those other things. And in 1994, home inspections were still very, very new. Right. If you had a flashlight, a clipboard, and a business card, you could be one in about an hour. And uh, so I decided to do that. And it, it's it's played out well over time. That's that's an amazing concise summary to get us to hear. And I, your humility is always appreciated. You're kind of a legend in the industry. You've you've written books. You've you've mentored people, grown companies, sold them. Um, so we can get into some more details as we go. But um, but yeah. So you started there, created an amazing company. Um, have since gone through a partial exit. We'll call it. Well, I've gone through multiple exits the way it's played out, but you cannot use the R word, okay? If you if you say retired, we're going to terminate and we'll try to reconvene another time. <laughs> you can call me repurposed, reinvigorated, reassigned, even retreaded, yeah. never retired. That's, yeah. that's what you do right before you drop dead. That's right. I believe in that philosophy as a whole of like keeping the brain engaged and and. And you have so much knowledge to share too, because I think like I've seen you speak at multiple conferences and you've pretty much seen it all, done it all in this industry. So that's why I'm pumped to kind of hear 
what's on your mind and what you've been through in the last year, frankly, because I think that's kind of a, a hot button topic nowadays. So we can jump yeah. right into it for inspectors. Well, well, thanks for asking about that. You know, and I've been given a lot of thought to our conversation, Kevin. And and two amazingly significant things happened in 1976. 1976. One, one in your industry, we'll call that the tech slash software industry. Mm -hmm. In my industry, we'll call that the home inspection industry. What were those two watershed events in 1976 in each of those industries? Big prize if you get them both. 76 in the inspection industry. That was the inf that was like the near the birth or birth of it. Um so we'll give you full credit for that in the name of expedience. 1976, Ron Passero founded ASHI, the American Society okay. of Home Inspectors. And on the tech side, this guy named Steve, Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs. founded <laughs> Apple. So essentially, two industries were birthed at, a, at the same time. Oh. Now, let's take a look at what's evolved over those years. In, in your world, in the tech world, software world, mergers, acquisitions, IPOs, constant iterations and evolutions is the expectation. What's the name of that guy that has the law about the doubling of computing power? What, uh, um, it's not Ohm's law, but it's one of those guys. Yes. But when, when you look at the speed of evolution, and how far we've come since the basic Mac in the tech side and software side, it's mind boggling. When we look at the evolution of business in that software side, you know, Hewlett Packard, Apple, Microsoft, they started in garages, you know, you, like rock bands, rock bands and tech companies all started in garages <laughs> in the 70s. Now let's roll over to the home inspection. What evolution, what creativity? On the business side, there's a tiny bit on the tech side, thank you very much, but not much has changed. And as business models, we probably, what, 90% of our industry, the home inspection side industry, is anchored in, but I liked it the old way. If something changes, I could die. <laughs> this is true. This is true. A fixed mindset of a fear of change, I think, as an industry. Um, yeah. What do you make of that? Like, where, I mean, are we still in the first or second inning compared to the rest of the business and tech universe as an industry? Well, if we can, let's make tech the absolute champions of the expedience of change. Mm -hmm. And let's make home inspection, you know, right near the Flintstones when it comes to change. We're, we're, we just don't do that. So, but I really think we're uh, in, in the emergence of a totally new world. You know, when I started in 94, there might have been 10 $1 million home inspection companies in the whole country. Mm -hmm. Maybe 10. You had to go to Canada to get to 12 with Alan Carson and, and his guys, right? Well, there's 10 million plus dollar companies in every city of every any size now when you're looking at it. Yeah. And we see the birth of $5 million, $10 million companies. And, and to your asking, you know, what's new in my world and how did I move and evolve? I've actually sold, you might say, twice in the last six months. <laughs> did you ever think that would happen? No, no. And, and, and really, I've become a, a zealot for change of getting people to say, you know, the world's changed. It doesn't mean that anyone should do what I do or some of the people I'm collaborating we're doing, but it's opening up to new worlds. Never before did we see home inspection companies who are in multiple cities and multiple states and all these things are going on and a consistency in business models and performance and reporting and whatnot. It's really evolutionary. You asked specifically about what's changed in my world. So as you're likely aware, Rob Lemoyne and I have been pretty good buddies for quite a while. He's 20 some years younger than me. And here I am at the tender age of 67. Uh, I'll be 68 in September, but I'm well, looking great. Anyway, so Rob calls me in June. He goes, Hey, buddy, when do you want to have a conversation about merging these companies? And I said, Hey, buddy, 
we don't need to have a conversation about merging these companies. And he, I could hear the huh in his voice. <laughs> I said, all we need to do is let's just pick a date and execute. He went, yeah, how about October? This was last June. So you were ready for that. Like you had thought about this prior to that conversation? Well, I thought about uh, a, a lot of things. I, I thought about uh, employee stock option programs, ESOPs. I thought about just putting a team in place to run the whole thing and see what happened. I thought about a lot of things. And, and I thought about someone buying it. But truthfully, there's never before now really been people who had the resource economically to do it, who had the skill set and leadership teams in place to execute. What would happen historically is some guy would want to sell, some guy would want to buy, and the buyer said to the seller, I don't have any money. Will you finance it? And they said, well, okay. So they have this long-term note. Now you've got a new guy running the company that doesn't know what he's doing, and they both end up in the poorhouse. Very, very few of those historically have gone very well. So anyway, I said, yeah, October sounds good. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Within 10 days, we sorted out all of the details of, of how it would go. And uh, he said, well, gosh, we got the details sorted out. Um, let's do this in September instead. I said, well, that'd be cool. Well, we were both so excited and both in a real high trust position, we never talked about money. So then we had to talk for about a day about money. We solved <laughs> that real quick, and that was good. And uh, in September, the first week of September, I was no longer a business owner. But I was no longer gonna, I was unwilling to accept that R word that we don't use. Right. So, you know, what's my repurpose? What can I do that's fun? How can I be fulfilled? And uh, so Rob and I came up with three things for me to do. Leadership development, which, which I love, Naval Academy background, you know, military officer and pilot, John Maxwell certified leadership trainer. I said, Man, that's easy. When I say easy, I mean, it's, it's natural and it's fun and it's invigorating. The second thing was philanthropic development. I love the idea of shifting our marketing dollars to philanthropic dollars so that we end up doing business with great people. Rob said yes to that. And then the third thing we affectionately call collaboration conversations. Let's talk to great people and talk about doing great things together, mergers, acquisitions, partnerships, and things. So those are my three responsibilities. And I said, this is cool, man. I'll do it. So that's how that happened. Then it got even, go ahead, Kev. I want to say those three areas talk about from what I know of you, like zone of excellence, you know, when they want people doing what their superpowers are, like that couldn't have worked out better, I imagine, right? I mean, are you having fun? I'm having a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm, I'm leading book studies and leadership development at various levels inside IEB, inside Launchpad. I it's a lot of fun to say it's not work would, would not be true. Plus the people I work for may be listening, but it, it's a natural, comfortable, invigorating fit. You can hear that in my voice. I'm just excited yeah. at the idea of, of developing leaders. I, I mean, I've been doing that since I was 18 years old. I love it. So on, I'm trying to ask questions, inspection companies out there listening would ask. And I think like, did you have to get over a mental hump of like maybe for many years acquisition merger not even being on the table to oh my gosh like were you scared were you excited because you're like wow there's an exit there's the payoff for all this hard work over the years because my biggest fear is that a majority of the industry hangs it up one day and gets nothing for all of these years of relationship building and hard work it, it's that's the norm kevin history would say that the the rank and file in the home inspection business and i say this with love as people i respect and admire will die in an attic if not literally, at least metaphorically. Sure. And what historically happens as the body begins to break down, they just slow down. So they did, oh, I did 500 a year, 400 a year, 300 a year, mm. 200 a year, 100 a year. Maybe I should sell this. And then they say, wait, five years ago it was this and you could build it again, you know, it's all that. And, and it's honest and it's sincere and it's a path to nowhere. Got to change our minds. Yeah. We have to change our minds about it. I think like it, it's what blows my mind is it's working against their own best financial and economic interest long-term. And so like, I, I'm trying to figure out what the wiring is that we need to trip in most inspectors to say, you need to sell this asset that you're building someday. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, <laughs> let's go back to the tech guys. That MS-DOS thing was awesome. It was just awesome. And in one sense, there's no reason we can't still be using MS-DOS. Right. Except it's different now. There's, there's more and better and greater things to do. The hurdle that, that we all have to get over, that mindset thing. When I say change your mind, I don't mean I physically change your individual mind. I mean mindset. How we think and feel about things is for too many of us, our identity is home inspector. Mm -hmm. I, I am home inspector. I am home inspector business owner. And if that's not me, I've lost myself. Oof. And I feel like that's where finding, you mentioned superpower. I love that word, where superpower meets passion. And, and for many of us, uh, we have superpowers that we really haven't allowed to evolve or get passionate about because we were busy being technicians inside the home inspection space. So if we let go, it, it's an ego thing. It's a transition of ego versus economics to say, you know, how, how can I be rewarded personally, professionally, and financially in my next chapter rather than just dying in this particular one? Ego versus economics. I love that. that that's an amazing tee up. Um, so, okay. So that, um, you know, we, we should, uh, you're a software kind of guy, but I, I'm going to go, go to GoDaddy. I'm going to get that domain. You and I can do something with it. Yeah, so, exactly. Some behavioral business, behavioral kind of science there. Um, okay. So you, you were presented with this and you were open to it. And I think like mindset and openness to opportunity is, is so much of it. And, you know, obviously you are just that way, which, um, is amazing. And so it takes someone like Rob though, I think to create a deal structure that makes sense for both sides and alignment. And, uh, you mentioned you guys didn't talk about money. Are there metrics or things inspectors should be thinking about in their business to be appealing? Like, is there, are there things you were, your business was judged on or valued by? Yeah. And interestingly, in that next chapter, when Rob sold the collection of companies, to Launchpad that changed yet again. And, and that's opened my eyes to the economics of it quite a bit. Um, you know, the vast majority of us run our home inspection companies. It may have well been in a paper ledger for, right. for all it's worth. Right. And when you bring private equity people to bear and you've got MBA CFOs and all these other kind of folks and you really dissect the numbers and Aaron Guyton, I know you know Aaron very well also, Aaron helps us with that to, to cause that P&L to look the way it needs to look to be attractive to an acquirer. And the classic thing I hear from a home inspector, and I'm in about 30 of these conversations right now. Wally, you don't understand. I bury my money so I don't have to pay a lot of taxes. And when somebody looks at my P&L, it says I'm not profitable. I said, trust me, Kevin. <laughs> We understand, we know exactly. And, and Aaron and I go through a process we call normalization of the financials. Meaning we know all the places in, in the home inspection universe that people call it what you will, bury money, spend money, how we do owner compensation to minimize tax. That can be normalized. And when you've done this 10 or 20 or 30 or a hundred times, you can cause that P&L, the normalized as I call it P&L, to show exactly where the money is, the EBITDA, to, to come up with a reasonable valuation. Love this kind of talk for our industry. And so for, for quick definition's sake, for anyone, you know, starting at the beginning of hearing about this and they're like, oh, private equity, that's evil. I don't know what it is. Pri private equity for definition's sake is institutional money. So think um, Harvard, Yale, insert hospital, college, all the big money in the world, trillions of dollars, right? They give money to these funds, these private equity funds to invest money in profitable and successful businesses. So they are financial investors versus very different from the porches of the world, the you know home advisor, thumbtack, Angie's list, whatever, strategic acquirers. So I want to let everyone know that like we're not, those are two separate things. That's that a, that's a really, really great point, Kevin. Because for most of us, until we've been exposed to this, it was me up until the last six months, we lump all that stuff together. Oh, there's hedge fund and venture capital and private equity and, and this thing and that thing. That's, it's all those 
evil guys, boogeymen, yeah, the Jets who are coming to Steelers. <laughs> oh, that's just not the truth. So I can speak very, very specifically to Launchpad and RIP Partners, who is the parent of it. it it's a small collection of, of people who, over the last 35 years, have created a fund. And the purpose of that fund is to seek out emerging businesses or emerging industries and bring the resources. And resources is the operative word. To the layperson, oh, bring the money. It, there's so much more than the money. There, there's the, 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 we have an honest to goodness CMO, an honest to goodness CFO. We've got Harvard MBAs and in, in all these different things who are, allow us to really squeeze out efficiencies. That's yeah. profitability. So the purpose of private equity is to bring those resources to bear to grow through acquisition and or organic that group of companies for a, what's called a recapitalization event. Three to five years, sell it for three to five times what you paid for it. And the joy in that, and you're smiling because tech guys talk about this stuff all the time. It's essentially selling your company multiple times. There are multiple paydays when you participate this way. So we're Maybe we're getting into private equity weeds, but as you can tell, I get very passionate about this. And it frustrates me that people say no to opportunity based on lore, myth, legend, fear, and ego that they don't even understand what the hell's going on. Exactly. And I think this that's why pods like this hopefully can break it, break things down a little more. And and like we don't have a vested interest in private equity doing good as an industry. They're fine. They're, you know, it's a trillion dollar, multi-trillion dollar industry, but it's just so important to understand that when you have people on your team whose incentives are aligned with yours, it could make your future that much better. And it doesn't have to come at the cost of screwing over your clients. I think, like you said, everyone lumps it together of like, yeah, any it help, has any to do with screwing yeah. over clients. <laughs> Frankly, it has to do with finding ways to serve them better and more efficiently. And you mentioned everyone aligned. I love that word alignment. And people go, yeah, 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 alignment. What's that mean? Well, in my world, alignment means economically aligned. When you're involved with a private equity company, ours specifically at Launchpad, every single person in the company has an equity stake in the company. Every inspector, every person answering the phone, every investor, every owner who's exited, that's alignment, my friend. Alignment is, we, we both have man buns. Alignment is economically. Yes. And that's a great concept. And, and, and so I guess to, to backtrack, so sold your company to Rob, Rob sold his collection, a part, a portion of some of his companies to um, Launchpad. Yeah. And then they bring their resources, their expertise. There's like all these companies collaborating and growing to make the whole bigger and more valuable. Right. So like right. down the road, and everyone does better at the end of the day. It's still run by home inspectors, Kevin. That's the difference. That's key. That's very key there because I think when people think of the porches of the world, they think, oh, they're going to just come in and fire everyone, bring in their own people, do things differently. And they technically have the right to. I'm not saying they do or can. I'm just saying a strategic acquirer can do whatever they want. Financial investors are like, financial investors are like, you're the experts. Here's the thing. When a strategic acquirer, your term, not mine, comes in and they purchase a company, they purchase it because they want it. They want the people in it. They want the relationships in it. They want all of those things. And here's another thing that happens. And I know you know this because I know you've got lots of buddies in the tech space outside of the home inspection industry. Super talent suddenly has super opportunity. Mm. If you're in a, a three-person company, a five-person company, a 10-person company doing, you know, a million bucks, two million bucks, that's great. That's fantastic. And if you work hard, there's even security there. That's different than opportunity. When all of a sudden you're in a company with like several hundred people doing 30 or $40 million a year is on a trajectory to do $100 million a year, the kinds of opportunities that are available are mind-boggling. I listen to owners tell me all the time, but it's about my people. Oh, really? Tell me about your health care. But it's about my people. Well, <laughs> right. tell me about your matching and your 401k. 
It's about my people. I said it. Tell me about your PTO or inspectors. Mm. You can love them or you can care to them. You bring up, this is amazing. I love talking. I love this point because I think as business owners, I'm guilty of this. Mike's guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. We think we know what our people think and want and do, but like the difference is they do think differently. A lot of them are employees. They value different things than we do as business owners. And you bring up benefits, you bring up 401k. These are things that are hard to have at a three to five person company. Yeah. And guys will, will, will explain to me why. I said, wow, you don't understand why I don't have health care. I said, well, point of fact, I understand what you're going to tell me, but I don't understand why you don't have it. You know, it's 2023, dude. People expect this. Yes. And I, and I think scale, some, for some people, it's a dirty word. For some people, it's a sexy word of like scale and size and growth does create more opportunity. And in and by sheer economics drives down costs, say, of benefits, you know, thing benefits you can give to your people. And so it's an interesting discussion. And I think like, I think inspection companies maybe didn't think this was accessible to them. Uh, well, it wasn't. Now, right, like this last couple of years, right? I mean, now it is. Yeah, especially this, this last year. Yeah. But, you know, it's always been there, but now it's, it's on steroids, Kevin. It's absolutely on steroids. And, and it's unlikely Launchpad will be the the only or the last person or you know group of people private equity doing it. It's this is the entry, but something I know and I know something and I've only known it recently. You've known this for a long time as a tech guy. It, 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 when you get on the elevator to go to the top of a build, it's really good to get in on the first floor. <laughs> well said. Well said. Um... Openness to opportunity. So what are some other things you've learned throughout this last year? Like I, I, lots of changes and transitions, like what else jumps out when you're thinking like, what, what about my story in this last year would be interesting to the, to the masses. So I've learned, you know, where I've learned the most is, is in deep, deep, transparent conversations with business owners who are contemplating an exit. Mm -hmm. Some of them young, some of them old. Some of them, you know, doing under half a million. Some of them doing multiples of millions. So it's, it's very diverse. A common theme is they have not given thought to personal finance and economics. Okay. Elaborate. Elaborate. So in the perfect world, as a person is building out their business, your business, my business, anybody's business, there, there's a, a stream that comes off of that business where we're investing in our future. 401k, IRA, real estate. Uh, Gary Keller says the purpose of business is to fund the perfect life. Oof. If we're not pulling up some small stream of income, regardless, when I say income that we're investing into the future, to become financially independent such that two things are optional. One, physical work is optional. And number two, selling the business is icing on the cake. That's not something that happens overnight. But if we're successful together, you and I, getting people to think about those things doesn't mean they should sell their business this year. It means they should be thinking long term, even when it's painful, so that they have options over time. And I'm, I'm, I've spoken to far too many people uh, my age, and a few older, and a whole bunch younger, who if something catastrophic happened to them physically, they're going to lose everything. Ugh. True? Man, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. I see the stats and numbers broadly of people, retirement savings amounts, checking, checking, saving, average savings. Yeah. How, how many times have you seen this, Kevin? And I'm willing to bet customers of yours have an accident. And suddenly there's a GoFundMe so that guy can pay his mortgage. Yeah. No need to name names, but we know them. 
And that's tragic. And up until the day of that accident, they viewed themselves and we collectively viewed them as successful. And they are, except they were so vulnerable, they lost it. Same with our employees, historically. It was my best guy, he fell off a roof and this is why we didn't have healthcare and this is why we didn't have Aflac and this is why that. Well, that guy's you know, at risk of losing everything. Damn. And what I'm excited about, and we're seeing this with us through Launchpad, and, and, and we're beginning to see it in other places, careers, a, a place where a, a person can enter into the career inside of a home inspection company as, a, as an inspector, as a team leader, as a call center person, as an IT geek, whatever, and descend over time and performance inside that organization. That's exciting. We've never had that before. Yeah. It's professionalizing the industry and giving it some structure. Absolutely. So when you mentioned the personal finance angle, are you saying like some inspectors will either over or under invest in the business and not pull enough out for themselves, like on the personal side or? Yes. Uh, and, and the vast majority, and I, the reason I know so much about this is I've made all of these mistakes. <laughs> this guy has been bankrupt at 50 some years old because I didn't do these things. That's why I've been such a, so vigilant and, and so grateful for the platform that I've been given through Rob and through Launchpad and through you and through IEB to share. And I, I'm, I'm sharing failures more than I'm sharing successes. I want a guy to be able to say, man, I goofed up just like he did and he recovered. That's valuable. Very valuable, very powerful. So from your conversations, I'm, I'm fascinated. You know, you get to hear people's stories, how their businesses are set up, how they're thinking about acquisition someday. What are some common pitfalls the average, you know, half a million dollar company makes? And it can be financial, it can be operational. Like what are what are some things where you're like, man, they really got that kind of backwards? Um, I would say fear of investing in the business mm. balanced against investing in things that don't have a return. You know, can you say more? I, about I'd that? also say a, a real common theme is not pouring into their people. Mm. There, there's a, a mindset, Kev, that says, gosh, if I pour, it's especially this way with pouring into their inspectors. If I really pour into these people, they'll leave me. There's a fear that, that if our employees grow faster than we grow, or if our employees grow faster than we grow the company, they're going to leave. And they should. What's the alternative? is to grow collectively with your people. Grow yourself, grow them, grow the organization, grow the opportunities. Beautiful. And I think a lot of inspectors maybe need to find time to pour into themselves. I know IEB is big on like, hey, what are you feeding yourself? What's your information diet? Because it's hard to pour into others if you feel like you're running on fumes doing everything, right? That, that's what I love so much about IEB and what you and Mike have done there is, is IEB is different than anything else that's ever existed. You know, 15 or 20 years ago, people started talking about, well, let's go back all the way around Passero. That's almost 50 years ago now. First, it was technical. And, that, it, and once you get to a certain technical level, it's done. Yeah. Yes, there's more to know, but there's no economic reward for knowing that little tiny bit more. Then it was tactical, right? It could be cookie, cookie jars or whatever. Yeah, candy, bring candy jars. Yeah, candy bowls and... Yeah, then it was technical. Thank you very much, you and others. But what was always lacking until IEB was mindset. Yeah. Who do I need to become to do what I dream to do? That's where IEB is different. It's realizing that for almost all of us, let's go with all of us, we are the lid. I am the lid on my company. And if I can't raise me faster 
then I am able to raise the people around me, they should rightfully leave. It's a hard thing to admit, right? And say like, hey, if they're, if they're feeling capped out and there's not opportunity, they probably should they leave. Gotta go. But the funny thing, Kevin, the vast majority of home inspectors started their home inspection company for exactly those reasons in wherever they came from in another environment. That's a great point. <laughs> I don't want to work for the man. They're holding me down. My, my, my immediate superior is a knucklehead. The owner of the company is a knucklehead. I'm better than that and I'm leaving. Yet when that happens in their company, nobody sees it. Yeah. Don't be that knucklehead. Um, <laughs> don't be that knucklehead. Man, see if we can get that domain too. Don't be a knucklehead. Don't be a knucklehead.com. <laughs> you and I are going to make a lot of money together. We are. we are. Um, so do you, or do you believe that even say million dollar inspection companies should be thinking on both ends of it, of acquiring smaller companies and their exit path someday. So like if we're speaking to say the multi-inspector companies out there, what should they be thinking about in terms of acquiring and being acquired? So I've, I've done a presentation here, there, everywhere. You may have been in one of them, I don't know, called co-opetition. Mm -hmm. Moving from competitor to collaborator. And, you know, very few of us in the home inspection space or any space accomplish much alone. And the example here in Jacksonville, we meet with four other IEB owners, uh, owners who are involved in IEB. We meet once a month in my bubble and just talk. And the idea is to have a collective voice on those things we wish were different in the real estate space. Mm. And, you know, everybody keeps what they believe is their secret sauce secret. I'm not sure there's really any secret sauce to be candid, but <laughs> yeah, the secret sauce just came up. Secret sauce. Yeah, that's secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the idea is to go from a, 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 a raw competitive position to a collaborative position. And what I predict is going to happen, and it's really fueled by Launchpad and this private equity and getting these conversations going is there's going to be micro acquisitions. I'm actually involved in it, attempting to coordinate several of those. I can't speak in specific about that, mm -hmm. but you know, people under 500,000 in big markets where they have no impact individually in the market, but four or five of them suddenly get to two or $3 million, two things happen. They are way stronger and more profitable, more viable together. Also, they are immensely attractive for acquisition. Yes, yes. So, and sorry, I'm giving my perspective on this. I, I, I obviously love hearing your perspective, but I like bouncing stuff off you. We brainstorm well together. In a city, when you think of that kind of footprint and the resources combining what you can offer agents, the types of events, the, the things you can, the front you can present together, it's like a snowball I, I see rolling oh, yeah. downhill that just grows and accelerates versus all four of you chiseling away at each other in a city and kind of it feels fragmented you know things aren't centralized it fragmented it's terrible it just it makes me laugh <laughs> and how many how many home inspectors and you've sat in on so many of these conversations too kevin you know where they attempting to get an agent's business well just put me on your list make me one of your three what if you three companies were the three right you know, but that's collaborative. That's cooperation as opposed to beat you down. Right. And, and like the, I'm, try, I'm trying to dig in real time on the psychology of that. I think like people should have a rational belief and confidence in themselves to dominate and wipe out the competition. Sure. That's what everyone's thought. That's what everyone wants to do, or maybe the ones that are growth minded. Right. So they don't do this because they're like, no, I'm just going to grow and take their market share. The reality is there's really, you have to give respect, I think, to other great companies and say like, man, they're thinking, they're thinking about kicking my ass. Just like I'm thinking about kicking theirs. And like, if you combined forces, how much greater could your powers be? All right, Kevin, here's something, you know, better than I, you and I both know, but you know it better than I. I'm going to share it, and then you can delete it if you want to. I have heard, and I bet you have heard, that home inspectors say, I dominate my market. <laughs> and my sense is, 
you and the wonderful geniuses at Spectora know exactly who's doing what. And you go, Dominate, I better check that out. Oh, 1.1% market share. You are dominant. <laughs> I was I was wondering what percent you were going to say of yeah and it's somewhere usually between it's under 1 or just up to 2%. Yeah. yeah. And uh, cuz you and, dominate you expect to hear a 40% number, right? 30 30%, 40%. That's dominant. Microsoft would say dominance 85. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Dominant? Come on, man. That's not dominant. You're you're irrelevant. Right. And as soon as you accept the fact that you're irrelevant, you begin to open your mind to the idea of collaborating with someone else so that you can go from irrelevant to at least visible. Yeah. You know, th these are all the mental games I've had to play with myself to get myself where this makes reasonable sense. Yes. We're jump I'm jumping all around here, so my apologies. I, I get that way when I get excited. Um, oh, good. I didn't mean to excite you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are there things that, like pay structures and things that inspectors do to make their businesses like less valuable, like how they pay inspectors. Like, is that a, is, should that be a standardized thing that we should be talking in the industry? Well, I can tell you this for 100% certainty and you'll see it next week. Well, you and I'll be together at IEB. Mm -hmm. Stand up to the bar and throw it. I call it throwing turds on the bar. And the turd to throw on the bar is how do you pay inspectors and watch them fight for the next couple of hours? And I think these even good, bright, smart guys, right? <laughs> is it hourly? Is it is it commission? Is it whatever? Well, guess what, dog breath? None of that matters. Here's what matters. What is the total cost to deliver the service? And I look at lots of P&Ls and the vast majority of companies are spending too much money paying employees, specifically inspectors. That total cost of service needs to be under 40%, ideally under 35. If you do a good job with your ancillary services and a good job on your pricing and your marketing, it may be under 30 if you're just a superstar. Mm -hmm. But you know how it is. I that's that's a gem right there. And that's that's exactly I think the point is that just because someone on a forum or your you know, your mentor tells you to pay someone this way or this much um, doesn't mean it's right. I think like we have to constantly be challenging assumptions around um, Don't supply and demand. Don't forums, please. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Go to, go to, not IEB, but the majority of forums, 90% of what's on there is either negative or blatantly incorrect. Lore, myth, legend, nonsense, and a dose of venom. Don't need it. Yeah, very small thing. Very small, you naive. Wanna, you want to get smart quick? Come to IEP. Super positivity, focused on mindset, and, and, and get with Aaron and some of the others and really distill down. This is what the business math looks like. And to me, the connection with other people that are thinking the same way, it's like this like drug where you start to just, you feel like your mind is awake and operating at a higher level. You don't do drugs at IEB. It's a cult. <laughs> you know it's a cult. That's different than drugs. <laughs> I went... I went there as a vendor for the first time and I feel like I attended the conference and I feel like I... I got hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of value because of the few conversations that I had, one of them being with Rob. Yeah. 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 You're, you're basically a cult member too. I cult member. I'm in the cult, man. I drank, I drank that at Kool-Aid a long time ago. Um, you know, ownership has a lot of, but that's a, that's a real rub for with Greg and some of the others. Yeah. But cult, here's the funny thing about cults, Kev. Everyone would love to talk about the culture of their organization. Well, why do people stick at Spectora? It's the culture. And then you go, oh, it is the culture. It's a cult. And like, no, you can't do that. We need that URE on the end. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I never thought about that. I cannot believe I have not figured out that that's the root word of culture. You just look at the fan. Are you a fan? Yeah. Or are you a fanatic? No, I'm not no, a fanatic. No, I'm just a fan. That's so funny. The word of the other. That's great. That's so great. So 
I guess what what are some what are some other things you're thinking of? So we talked about PL, we talked about kind of pay structures. Um are there other top of mind things that just come to mind when I say the average inspection company out there? I guarantee they're even listening to this. I know you're listening out there that even thinking, oh man, my business, no one will buy my business someday. Like this, like there's real value being built in every all these companies that I talk to, great operators, great relationships. That's attractive and that's valuable. So, like what what should they be thinking when they hear this conversation, even of like in, in my mind, it, it... One, get involved in IEB because we have these types of conversations about mindset, about personal growth, about development, about financials. Get conversant in those things, and there's just no better place than, than IEB to do that. But recognize that no matter where your business is, it can be polished or refined to make it really attractive. Now, you can't take a a $200,000 a year business and find somebody to pay a million bucks for it. Just, it's just the math doesn't work. But the idea of getting it attractive or blending it with other like-minded individuals to build something bigger, you know, two plus two might equal five. Right. We all have different superpowers. We all have different passions. We're all at different places. The right collaborations are phenomenal. Even if that collaboration is intended to be a transition to exit. And that's one I've been working on real hard lately, is looking at companies that might not have all they need to optimize an exit strategy at this point, but might in one, two, or three years as they grow, refine, collaborate. And the other thing that happens when you think that way, you might suddenly say, gag, we'd rather just keep this thing. Well, that's a positive too. There's nothing bad about that. Get better, get stronger, get happier. It's all right. I love that. In this model, I want to let everyone know that like the, at least the, the private equity or roll-up model sometimes can result in some liquidity, some money up front to the seller of the business or if they're selling a chunk. So like inspectors just know it's not like you become part of an org and you just become an employee and get nothing. Sometimes you can get some money up front, but then you let it ride. You let some of it ride for the three to five years, right? And then that's the big payday that people should yeah. be thinking. And, that, and that's a that's a, a great place to add a little bit, Kev, is, excuse me, specific to private equity, there are three ways you're paid. One is cash up front. Man, that's sexy. Bring out the wheelbarrow, put all the Benjamins in it, and sure. bring it over to my house. The problem, beyond the sexy, exciting part of, of you know, burying yourself in $100 bills, is a long-lost relative shows up at your door the same day. Good old Uncle Sam. Mm. And that sucker's taking 20 or 25% of your money right out of your damn wheelbarrow. So that needs to be recognized, and that needs to be prepared for. And none of us have ever been exposed to that before. The second place the private equity brings you money is in a in payout or earnout. For us, it's typically three years. So there's you know whatever amount of money, 50,000, 100,000, quarter million dollars, million dollars, it depends on the size of your company, what's going on for the next three years. That's kind of neat because you don't have to figure out what to do with it all at the same time. Uncle Sam doesn't show up all at the same time. Right. And it gives you time to channel that money so Sam takes less. And it removes the opportunity to blow it all in the same day in a Lamborghini. <laughs> the third way that private equity delivers money is through equity in the company that's growing. And the idea there is recognizing that the purpose of private equity is to bring resources grow something substantially over three to five years, and then sell it for three to five times as much, which means each share of the private equity that you are uh, receiving will be three to five times as large in three to five years. It's like getting paid again and again and again. And you may only pay capital gains on it. it may not be ordinary income. Could be at a more favorable tax treatment um, too yes. with, the, with the big sum at the end. Yeah, it's all about structure. And 
one of the things we're able to do because we have all these geniuses with us at Launchpad is help people understand those things and prepare to receive those things. Are you receiving it personally? Are you receiving it into a corporation? Are you receiving it into your uh, charitable remainder trust? Are you all of these things? And frankly, that's one of the things about philanthropy I'm so excited about. You can receive monies, put it into charitable remainder trusts or like the Vanguard, whatever that's called, giving, you know, all this stuff, various funds and pay no capital gains and actually be able to have distributions from that to you personally until you're dead. Beautiful thing. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about something that, that I think will ex excite you a little bit, the, the philanthropic part. Um, so yeah, can you, can you speak a little about what, what you're thinking or doing there and, and kind of why that was one of your three kind of. Yeah, about a half a dozen years ago, and I may have shared this with you. Uh, I know I've shared it IV uh, once or twice. I, I ended up on the staff down at Keller Williams in Austin. In the, I was a bold coach and a one thing certified trainer and whatnot. And I ended up in this uh, mastermind group where I was a facilitator. And they bring uh, business owners from around the country. Every type of business except real estate was the rules we played under. And mastermind, we have 30 or 35 business owners, myself and Don Hobbs and Russ Collio, if you've known Russ over the years, it was a group of us, Sean Kokoska, we were the facilitators to do this thing. Well, this one particular, we, these were three-day events. Jay Papazan, who's Gary's co-author on all the various books, one thing in particular, he was coming in to do 90 minutes on philanthropy. And I'm thinking in my brain, this is just great. Here I am, I'm with some of the brightest people in the country with all these business owners. We got our sleeves rolled up, we're masterminding, and we're essentially taking a, a 90 minute hiatus to talk about philanthropy. And Jay did his pitch. And I'm about five minutes in, I went, oh my God, this is powerful. If it's strategic, we can market our businesses through philanthropy and do business with really nice people. The people that sit on the boards of the, of the various nonprofits in your town, my town, and every other town are the people that you can't get an appointment with. It's the movers, the shakers, mm. the business owners. It's all the people we want to gain relationship with who wouldn't give us the time of day except we're doing good together. So we made that a core part of our business. I've been sharing that through IEB, shared that with Rob and, and said, let's do that. I'll tell you a funny piece of the story. I, I called my contact, Don Hobbs, to us, you know, Don. Say, Don, will you send me the slides that Jay used in that presentation that was just all inspiring? I'd like to use that uh, in my business. And he said, nope, can't do it. Those are only used by Jay and Gary. But what I can do is get you on Jay's calendar for a conversation. I said, okay. So I called Jay and uh, he said, uh, tell, me, tell me what you're thinking. And I told him who I was, what I wanted to do. I said, I want to use philanthropy strategically to educate real estate agents, how they can attract buyers and sellers of the best properties and the nicest people to grow their businesses through strategic philanthropy. He says, that's what you want to do? I said, that's what I want to do. He says, all right, I'm going to send you the slides and you can use these slides under two conditions. I said, what are they? And, and, and he says, nobody has these slides except Gary and I. I said, okay, what are the conditions? I promise. And he said, credit the material every time you use them, exactly how and where you got it. I said, I promise I will. And I always have. And he said, don't modify the materials. They work perfect as they are. <laughs> and I've delivered that material hundreds of places. Uh, I've done it at IEB. I've done it in real estate companies. I've done it in nonprofits for their boards and on and on and on. I've met more great people. And, and it's been a tiebreaker for a lot of business opportunities and friendship opportunities for me. Oh. Man, that's amazing. So what's the, is it's a charitable remainder trust as a vehicle or are there multiple vehicles for uh, say multiple, multiple vehicles? Yeah, so it, for, it's up the, when I did it at IEB two years ago now, it's, it's on the IEB site. If you don't have access, let me know. And I, I know people 
know, if yeah. you talk to Mark, I talk to Mark, or, or we'll sit next to you and do it. Hey, I got to tell you a fun thing about that is Pat Flynn, who is our keynote at IEB this year, is a buddy of mine here in Jacksonville. He's agreed to come down and, uh, and keynote, but Pat runs a big organization in real estate, and he got 300 real estate investors together, influential people doing not real estate investor like flipping one, but like people that got portfolios of 100, 200, 300 houses and mortgage holders and private equity money and all this stuff. And uh, he let me do that presentation for those real estate investors. And then Pat got involved. He's like, yeah, I can do this. And, and, and he's helped me raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've helped him on things. We get guys together. We did a thing on my boat. Pat may describe this uh, when we're down at IEB. But uh, his partner, his uh, business partner, Kyle Peskowitz, uh, sold a good-sized portfolio to a private equity company. And every real estate, and these are young guys. They're, they're like you. They're all you know, 35, 37 years old. I guess you're there. I don't know. I can't tell. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I had been working on this fundraiser for Best Buddies, and, and uh, they sold this portfolio, and every real estate investor in the region wanted to hear the story so i said dude let's do a fundraiser we'll do bourbon and cigars on my boat and charge guys a thousand dollars a head to come here you and kyle tell the story for the first time and we raised I don't know, 10 or twelve thousand dollars in one night with a bunch of knuckleheads who were all buddies smoking cigars and drinking bourbon that's strategic <laughs> philanthropy <laughs> That's, that's amazing. That's such a good story in a, uh, in an illustration of you can do good and make it fun and make it beneficial. It doesn't have to, most people believe it has to be one or the other, right? You just yeah. give money away. Make sure, make sure next week that, that uh, I introduce you to Pat. We do a little bit of one-on-one. -on -one. He does a, a lot of path, podcasting and introduce you to a lot of other interesting guys. And I know uh, you, you have interesting accesses for him. You guys can uh, do cool, cool. stuff together. Yeah, awesome. Oh, one more thing Pat does, and we'll see who's studlier. He does uh, once a month. Uh, he's very focused on mind, body, spirit, meditation, all that kind of stuff, but he's a stud. And uh, he does the sunrise on the ocean front workout. I live right here by the ocean. Pat lives here by the ocean. Anyway, so I've been doing this morning radio show, and I could never get out on a Saturday morning to do it. Well, I put that on sabbatical. So last, uh, not last Saturday, but the May event, whatever it was, a couple of weeks ago, I get out there. It's 6.30 in the morning, right? I'm always early. 6.15 in the morning, I'm standing out on the beach. I'm looking out at the ocean, about 65 degrees. It's raining sideways and about 20 knots of wind. And I'm alone in the dark. And I thought, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> so I go back in the car, warmed up a little bit, wait for the rest of them to get there. I get out there, it's like 40 people. There's uh, 35 guys, five women. Women are all 20-something and fit. And the guys are all averaging like 35. And they're all, they're all buff. And uh, then they had one guy that was about 45. And then they had me at 67. And uh, so I, I knew about 10 of these folks from different places. And they're all like hugging me. It's like, dude, man, we're so happy to see you. So I'm... Um, like barfing in the sand and yakking up a lung and just having a good old time. But I happen to know that you and your bro fancy yourself kind of stud muffins. So I'm expecting to see you guys at the, Pat's going to lead the morning workout um, on Thursday morning. And it's my goal. I did a thing on the IEB video for this. You know, we have 300 people at the IEB Unite. And we'll have 30 people at the workout. Well, that's not supposed to be. So I'm challenging. I, I told I told Pat we'd have 300 people at the event, and he's like, "Dude, I've never led a workout with 300 people." I did not tell him. Usually, I'm about one in ten shows. <laughs> so I need your help. Cool. I need your help from the booth everywhere else. That Thursday morning, Thursday morning workout. We need everybody that comes to your booth, every Spectora user, every IED guy, and, and if you've never worked out, come put on your pajamas and come lay on the ground with us. Put on your flip flops and my world. Just show up. The excuses. Just show up. Just show up and, and, and be encouraged and be supportive and, and let people pour into you because we're all on a different 
path. Yeah. And, and we don't want people on the path to rapid demise and destruction. You want to be like 67 and studly and Oh, you know. firing like you that's awesome you got, you got my support baby i'm in i'm in um I'll, I'll be the biggest champion of this throughout the event i love it we'll see who um, finishes first yeah i'm not mike's a rabid competitor i am more of the laid back of like hey i'm gonna like push myself but like i'm not gonna pop up you, you can lay on the ground with me <laughs> yeah Awesome. Well, Wally, this has been amazing. Uh, only, only ask I have of you is that you come back and we do this again around some other topic and, uh, and riff on stuff. But this has been great. I think this is this has been a blast. I think people are going to get a ton of value out of this. And I just enjoy hanging with you too. So there's that. Yeah, you as well. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week, especially in our workout clothes on the mat. Thursday morning. Yeah. All right, man. We will do it. Hey. Appreciate it. Thanks, Wally.